and welcome. Hello. To our podcast, where we talk about movies. And we will be doing that today, specifically. Two movies. I, I asked you to watch an extra movie, and then I forgot why I asked. <laughs> <laughs> but you get bonus points for watching that. Anyways, I'm Chris. Welcome. I'm Anton. Anton. We talk about movies, what they mean, what they don't mean, uh, why I'm right, (laughs) and uh, all sorts of fun stuff. Anyways, it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. I was listening to that song every day until we recorded this. (laughs) Oh. As one does. (laughs) Uh, well, anyways, our movie today, The Man Who Wasn't There, directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Was it? Yeah, right? I think it was just one of them. No, th- that's their whole thing, though, is uh, they both do it. But, like, for a long time, they just credited Joel as the director because that's they thought they just only had to do that. And then after, in their later movies, they kind of started crediting them both. But I think they've always worked the same. Why did they pick one to be the writer and one to be the director? I don't know. Well, they both write it. And then Joel's listed as the director and Ethan's listed as, like, a producer. Oh. But, like, I think they all just do whatever. Okay. I'm excited because I really love this movie. And and you haven't seen it. I hadn't. Nope. And... (laughs) <laughs> all right blind off the bat you're just you're just exiting the theater uh you're you know you're you're walking through the lobby you don't have to go to the bathroom okay you're you're heading towards the door okay you turn to whoever you just saw it with what are you saying uh hello uh, oh, because you haven't spoken to him for two hours? You have yeah. to, like, say hello first? <laughs> yeah. Oh, hi. <laughs> uh, that was hard to stay paying attention to. Okay. That uh, The characters were fun. I have no idea what it was trying to say. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's over now. Okay. <laughs> Usually, like, Tony and I saw a movie last night, and that's the first thing. I'm like, well, it's over now. <laughs> and I like the movie. Uh, which movie? I saw Pig. Oh, right. Yeah, you were telling me this. Um, for the which, That's listeners. a conversation for another day. Yeah. I well, I knew nothing about it going in, which was great. I'll watch Nicolas Cage do anything. <laughs> which why hasn't Nicolas Cage been in a Coen Brothers movie? Oh, he wait, has. He, has. He, has he was in Raising Arizona. <laughs> he was like their first one. <laughs> yeah. Second movie. Oh, okay. But yeah, uh, he was okay. That makes sense. But why hasn't post, you know, uh. Con Air, Nick Cage, been in a Coen Brothers movie. He's too big. <laughs> Probably, yeah. He got he really only, big after Con Air. He only does huge movies like Pig now. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Well, I also asked uh, to, as a companion piece for the man who wasn't there, for you to watch uh, Double Indemnity. Yeah. This is part of our hot noir summer programming. Because <laughs> we're really into noirs yeah. right now. And I think Double Indemnity is a good primer because it's kind of like it was the f- first film noir that I think was like like really good and then also like high budget and like, you know, it received a lot of recognition, um, especially compared to movies for that time. It was nominated for Oscars. Yeah. Uh, it's still remembered to this day. Uh, but it's also has some... So, we like, last episode we talked about Bound, and we talked about the kind of the 90s revitalization of film noir. Yeah. And kind of how... Or what it meant kind of on a social uh, kind of platform, like mm-hmm. socially, what these movies kind of mean and how they relate to the time that they are released. Um. But I think there's another way of looking at the genre, which is, uh, you know, more philosophical and uh, meanings of characters' actions. Because uh, one cool thing about the genre is, you know, a staple, a prerequisite, if you will, is uh, it's it's movies about, um, you know, bad characters doing bad things mm-hmm. and you always have trouble when you try to do that because how do you empathize with a lead character that maybe is committing a crime or like in this case of double indemnity you know uh coercing uh or plotting with another person to uh commit murder and uh insurance fraud yeah so like how do you how do you sympathize with that and then uh, for the man who wasn't there, I think it's a, it's a more clearer way of sympathizing because I think you need to incorporate that in your movie. You can't just show someone committing crimes and then that's the end of the movie. Yeah. I think having a foundation of understanding and empathy is kind of uh, what makes the genre kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, It's like, how do you do that? Like, how do you, how do you make a bad person to be the good guy. Uh, Right. So I think that's just an interesting aspect of the genre. And we could talk a little bit more about that after your recap. So do you want to recap double indemnity first? And then the man who wasn't there? Sure. And I'm going to do this. And you can do briefly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're doing two. So I'm going to skip major parts of this. So double indemnity. Big thing is that, what it was I, an interesting motif is that the main character is narrating it into like a recorder machine at the beginning. He's he's narrating mm-hmm. this thing that he's done already, and you don't know who he's talking to until later in the movie. It turns out mm-hmm. it's his like coworker who he really respects, Edward who's like G. A, Robinson. Yeah, because the and main his character, funny little man. <laughs> yeah, the main character is a, an insurance salesman. His coworker is like the head of that or something, or he's—I don't know what he does. But the whole movie is again, like you said, about insurance fraud. 
main character is a door-to-door insurance salesman. He meets some lady. He kind of has a thing for her. And somehow, I don't remember the details, they decide to kill her husband and uh, get a big insurance policy out on him so that they can get the money for it. And they get the big insurance policy out on him, and then they were going to kill him. And it didn't go right, so then they ended up having to do it on a train. So the main character... Because you get more money if you do commit crimes on a train. Yeah, which is... Everyone knows that. (laughs) Yeah, classic. But even in the movie, they call out how stupid it is because the main... the insurance guy who's like they're afraid is going to catch them says Mm -hmm. uh that's for train accidents not like you fall off the train but uh, whatever (laughs) whoa (laughs) so they get the husband and they're gonna kill him and the way they do it i think is they strangle him in the car Mm -hmm. and then they have the main character guy dress up as the husband go on the train. And then the plan is for him to like make a presence on the train, at least get record that he was on the train and then jump off. Uh, there's a wrinkle in that. Cause there's somebody in the back of the train who's sitting there. Um, so he has to like convince the guy to leave. And then he jumps off the train and at this right spot on the track, which just luckily worked out to be where the lady had parked the car which has the husband's dead body in it. They drag the husband out on the tracks. And the problem is um, they get really uh, worried about getting caught because it's not just like killing the husband and put on the tracks. It's like making sure that they get the insurance payment. It's a really big mm-hmm. insurance payment because, of, like you said, the railroad situation going on. Um. Was it a hundred thousand dollars? Yeah, which, which is crazy. back then, that's half that's of the lot. United. That's the Louisiana Purchase. That's all the money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so one of the wrinkles that they run into is that the husband's daughter, who is not the wife's daughter, because the wife mm-hmm. married in, explains that like he, she's pretty sure that her stepmom killed the husband because yeah. she she saw her stepmom do something suspicious when her mom was sick and, and like left all the windows open Mm because her stepmom was her mom's nurse. Um, so she thinks that her stepmom first killed her mom and now killed her dad. Uh, and, uh, I don't remember how the main character hears about this, but he finds out that the daughter's boyfriend has been like getting with the stepmom too. Mm -hmm. And they were, so he feels double betrayed, like you said. Rocco Vincetti. <laughs> yeah. Like so he reali- the main character realizes that this lady is going to try to betray him, too. So he goes and confronts her and tells the, the, the boyfriend, like, you should really go with the girl because she's a really sweet girl and she's great or something. Uh, and he pr- confronts the, his accomplice and explains that he knows what she's up to and all that. And she tries to shoot him, but she misses. Uh, and then she shoots him again, but he shoots her. And now he's bleeding out. And you find out that him recording what happened um, is f- 
where, where you hear at the beginning of the movie is just him having been shot sitting in his yeah. boss's office well, recording. The beginning is him rushing to there and he's limping. Yeah. Okay, and, I missed uh, that part. Oh, because the car's like driving fast and reckless. Yeah. Gotcha. So, um, his boss actually walks in and uh, calls the ambulance and. The guy tries to escape, but he doesn't get far because he's bleeding out. And then I think that's the end of the movie. Yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. So that's that. Double indemnity. Uh, let's see. Yeah. I'm trying to think if we should talk about it or if we should just describe the man who wasn't there first. Whatever you think. Well, any thoughts on double indemnity? Um... It did hold my attention. Uh, definitely a sign of the times in a lot of ways. Uh, that one lady, I don't even really fully understand her motives for trying to kill a whole family off one by one. Barbara Stanwyck? Yeah. I think she's just a crazed murderer. Oh, okay. She's the femme fatale. Yeah. She's the one, like how I described in Bound, um, you know, she's, she's just fake all over. She wears this fake blonde wig, and she's just like, um, you know, her intentions are no good. Got it. If, uh, and he trusts her only to be kind of backstabbed by her. But, you know, then what? who is really to blame? He is just as much a participant. Uh, participant? I don't know how to say that word anymore. It's too early. Uh, in the crime as she is. So, yeah. Um, I think from the point of view from him, it makes it sound like that. But really, they're both just kind of dirtbags. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He he meets a girl like twice and somehow eventually quickly is like, yeah, let's kill your husband and get yeah. insurance policy. Uh, uh, well, so I just wanted you to watch some of it so you can kind of pick up on where a lot of the the man who wasn't there kind of uses some of the same techniques like you know re uh recollecting the his whole story of what happened uh billy bob thorne does the same yeah Um, it's but they don't explain it away with like some kind of yeah thing it's just he's doing narrate voiceover was he's not doing it into a microphone or anything no, he's writing it down in a men's journal at the end. Oh, well, I didn't get that part. I didn't, oh. I, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, he's writing it because at the end he's writing it down in a – he's like this men's ma- magazine asked me to tell my story. So part of me – they're paying me so many cents per word. So sorry if I uh, like took the long way or something. I remember that now. Okay, you're right. You're so, right. yeah, he, he was just recollecting – You know, he's writing it down for some men's magazine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's some similar, you know, just in terms of kind of get rich quick scheme kind of thing, uh, and just kind of the same elements that they would use in a noir. The Coen's brothers kind of use like just kind of like similar tools to kind of tell the story. But I think the Coen brothers just kind of do it in a new way, sure. Uh, ultimately, but do you want to recap the man who wasn't there? Sure. This one had a maybe more twists and turns and like side plots that I full, didn't fully grasp. Yeah. Uh, so this guy, uh, 
Billy Bob Thornton. He's mm-hmm. a barber. He doesn't want to be a barber. He's clearly bored. He doesn't Dead. talk much. He doesn't like people who do talk much. <laughs> uh, he, right, but is, does he? <laughs> does he not like people who talk I much? I don't know Like if he doesn't. Like, you think he's this brooding, mysterious character through the whole thing because he didn't talk and he thinks everything's stupid. But he, I don't know if he thinks that. I think he's just, I think he's a lot dumber than he appears. Got it. I don't know. That's just my opinion. But Could be. Go ahead. Uh, well, I mean, I don't even, he didn't have a, in my opinion, it was almost like he didn't even have a personality. He was just a vessel for the story. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, He's a barber with his wife's family's barber shop, mm-hmm. and he works with his brother-in-law, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, who it's owns funny that, the barber shop? Yeah, it's funny that he's a barber who doesn't like to talk, because that's like a common stereotype that barbers like to chat. I'd with go you. see that barber any day. Uh, me too. I mean, other than the maybe he's a murderer part, right? Uh, but like, he wasn't murdering people in the chair. Right, and then he's murdering and he, people for mu- and so actually in self defense. He only murdered it was one yeah exactly. Uh, he, in fact, he really didn't do much wrong other than maybe blackmail. Right. So, but he was also just blackmailing the person sleeping with his wife. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Can you Which blame him? <laughs> brings yeah. So he he's married to his wife, who's um, the lady from Fargo, Frances McDormand. Frances McDormand. Who's Joel's wife. (laughs) Yeah. Joel is his name? Joel Cohen? Oh, the director. Yeah. Or writer. No, Ed. Ed. Billy Bob Thornton plays Ed the barber. So Ed. Ed, okay. Ed's wife is. uh, I forget. Doris, I think. Yeah. That sounds plausible. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, the James Gandolfini is their, like, neighbor's. No, or a family, a friend of some he's, sort. He's 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 Doris's boss. Francis oh right, boss yes, you're right. At the store, Big Dave, and she's like in the accounting department or something. Yeah, she and then he's they have them over for dinner. He tells this wild uh, war story. War story. Uh, where they eat a guy <laughs> <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no. Big Dave own, er, manages the store owned by his wife's parents, so like he's kind of married Similar into situation. the situation. Yeah, yeah. But he's more successful as a result because the store is like a big right. deal, and, and has, they're like, going to open up a new one, and he wants to make Doris the comptroller. Gotcha. Uh, Just to set the tone. Yeah. Of what the, that's going on. And you and can I, see in when they have him over, because Doris and Ed host Big Dave and his wife for dinner, and you can see Doris really is into Big Dave, just laughs way too hard at his jokes. Yeah. And you can kind of see what's going on. Yeah, exactly. So then this out-of-town salesman or entrepreneur comes in talking about dry cleaning as this next mm-hmm. big innovation, and it's going to change the world, and he mm-hmm. just needs ten grand. To be able to get it going. Um, And I don't remember how he meets Ed. uh, He goes to the barber shop to get his hair cut. That makes sense. And he has a toupee. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. 
So they meet again later that day after the barbershop at the at Ed's hotel, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, at, at, at the uh, bar at the the business guy's hotel. Business guy's hotel, yeah. The dry and cleaner. The dry cleaning guy. And Ed says, "I can get you the ten grand. Just give me a little bit of time." Um, so his plan is he's pretty sure that his wife is cheating on him. So he types up a blackmail ransom note that says, uh, give me 10 grand, uh, mm-hmm. or the news will get out that you're cheating right. with your client or with your employee or whatever. And that puts big Dave in a spot because you know, he's married into it. So if he's yeah. cheating on her, he's that's done. It. That's yeah. Everything's in bad shape. So, uh, What's I don't remember the exact next step, but there's like a gala or something at the yeah. There's like store. a party at Nerdlingers. Gotcha. <laughs> That's the name of it. The name of the store, yeah. Which I think is like a reference to like the in the book Double Indemnity. I think one of the characters' last name is Nerdlinger. I don't even know if it's the same in the movie, but it's something like that. Oh, that's a funny. It's name. like a very forties, fifties kind of name. Sure. So they're at th- that party, and uh, James Gandolfini's character says, "Hey, can you uh, come away with me, Ed, for a minute? I need to uh, talk mm-hmm. to you about something." And he tells Ed because apparently he, which I think is pretty ballsy. Um, I'm being I don't blackmailed. Think Big Dave knows that Ed knows that he's sleeping with his wife. Yeah, but still, like, if I was going to be like, hey, I need a friend to talk to for advice, I wouldn't go to the guy whose wife I'm cheating with. Well, in a way, who else are you going to talk to? Other friends that you have? I know, but I'm talking to the guy that doesn't talk at all. (laughs) That's true, I guess, yeah. (laughs) And he says, I don't know what to do. Uh, And I think this is where he alludes to he thinks it's the business guy who's doing this yeah because the lawn dry cleaner also pitched to big dave and big dave told him to get out of there yeah and asked for the exact amount of money mm-hmm. he's being blackmailed for so uh i think he's he basically says i have to spend the ed, money be- yeah ed just tells him to do it just pay the ransom because otherwise he's done yeah. Uh, then so he does. This is where it gets gray for a little while. Do you want me to recap it? Because I've seen this movie ten times. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, I, I'll just, the, the brief plot points, because I think they're important um, in the grand scheme of things. But, like, so... Big Dave pays. He leaves the money in the hotel garbage ashtray thing. Uh, Ed walks in there, takes the money right to the dry cleaner. And that's that. So they go to like some like family wedding. Ed and Doris go to some family wedding thing. Doris gets way too drunk. They go home. She passes out. You kind of see a little like behind the scenes of their like kind of sad life. Like, they didn't have kids. Not that that's sad, but like I think for like what they expected out of life, and like even just how they met, like you can tell like none of this was really 
um, something either of them wanted. Sure. But uh, it was, yeah, you see sort of past like the troubles of like the 50s, 40s family. And uh, so when Doris passes out after the family wedding party, uh, Ed gets a call from Big Dave to go meet him down at the store because he wants to talk to him. So Ed goes down, and um, when he's there, Big Dave, it all comes out. He's like, I know who really ripped me off because he found the guy. He found the dry cleaner, and the dry cleaner ratted Ed out. Mm -hmm. So they get into a fight. Big Dave's choking out Ed. Even though Big Dave admits, like, you could have just punched me in the face (laughs) because I was sleeping with your wife. But to do this... And so Big Dave choking Ed out. And then just at some point, Ed had grabbed the cigar uh, cutter thing, jabs him right in the neck. I like Big- that line, though. The uh, There's a an appropriate response to someone cheating on you. Yeah. And you didn't do that appropriate thing. I'm the gentleman here. <laughs> yeah. But really, what do people do when they're wrong? <laughs> so it's like. Uh, so Big Dave's done. He's he falls dead on the floor. Ed drops a knife. Out of there. The next day, Ed's working. Two cops come by. They pinched his wife. They pin they pinned the murder on his wife. Mm-hmm. So they pin the murder on his wife because all this other information comes out. Like because in order to pay the ransom, Big Dave got Doris, who is the accountant comptroller uh to you know move some numbers around take the money from the business yeah so they think it was like organized from that aspect they rest his wife even though he did it in self-defense very complicated already yeah exactly (laughs) so they call in the big time attorney from sacramento freddie reichenstein who's probably the best character in the movie. Played by Tony Shalhoub. Yeah, he's really good in this. He's just really good. Uh, and so they pitch this whole defense. Uh, like, he's... They're going to... Oh, and in order to do that, his brother-in-law, like, signs over the the business to the bank so they could take out money against the business to afford Freddie Riechenstein. And so... Um, right before the trial starts, Doris hangs herself (laughs) as if this can't just get worse and worse. (laughs) Um, so after that, everything's kind of just in like chaos. Uh, Ed just, I, some reason gravitates towards his friend's daughter, Birdie. Yeah, and thinks that she can be an amazing pianist. This is the side plot I don't understand. I'll I'll touch on this in a little while, but uh, so he takes her to like this piano expert. The piano expert's like, yeah, she can play the piano, but she doesn't have you know the soul. She doesn't yeah. get it. Kind of like what yeah. we talked about in Frank. Yeah, she can exactly. do it, but she doesn't get it. Exactly and like in Frank. I think this whole. Uh, I think it also matches with the theme um, as well. And when they're coming back, Doris, for some reason, really wants to please Ed. 
trying to grab at his stuff in the car. Ed's like, what are you, don't, you're crazy, birdie. Yeah. <laughs> then drives off a cliff, <laughs> and they get into an accident. Uh, birdie's fine. Ed's in the hospital, but while they're there, the cops show up, and they pin the murder of the dry cleaning guy yeah. on Ed. <laughs> so Ed's now arrested for the murder of the dry cleaner. And after that, they uh, Freddie Reichenstein feels bad because of what happened with Doris, that he uh, represents him and comes up with this big argument. You know, he is modern man all this stuff and it's like a really good like he he might be able to he might be able to skirt by and, and get get away free but then his brother-in-law just rushes in punches him in the face and then Freddie Reichenstein like asks for a mistrial and gets one but then he can't afford Freddie Reichenstein for the next <laughs> yeah. trial yeah and so the public defender just throws him on the mercy of the court uh Billy Bob Thornton is sentenced to uh the electric chair and uh, he's writing in the journal uh, the whole story of what happened. And then he's led to the chair. As he's walking to the chair, he gets one last look at all the haircuts he ever cut. And then he is electrocuted. <laughs> oh, that's Fades what that away. was? He yeah, was you know haircuts? when they pan through the guys looking at him in the window? You know, at the beginning of the movie, he goes through all the different kinds of haircuts. He's like... This is the contour. This is the executive contour. This is the whatever. Oh. Uh, all of them have the same. I mean, it looks like it. All of them look to have the haircuts that he would. He was describing at the beginning of the movie, like all of them, and uh, which I thought was really funny. Interesting. Um, so, anyways, that's the movie. And there's some other minor things, like Big Dave's wife is kind of out there crazy. and Oh, about aliens. Really into UFOs. Yeah. And then, like, you know, it's weird, like, when he's, like, looking through the magazine at the end and he sees the story about the UFOs. He sees dry cleaning takes off in a big way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, there's just some funny, like, it, it's it's more of a tragedy than anything. And that's why I think really kind of compares both double indemnity and uh the man who was there is like it's like a tragedy like of miscalculated events uh but in the grand scheme of things i feel like it's more about you know these individuals existence than the actual like like suspense like uh, you know mm -hmm. you can say it's a suspense thriller i you know it's more about these characters and like who they are uh, it's a very existential movie. Like it's, you know, if the Coen brothers were asked what this movie was about, they said it's about a barber trying to become a dry cleaner, <laughs> which <laughs> I think is pretty funny. Uh, but you know, at the beginning of the movie, he even says he's like, uh, "Yeah, I work as a barber, but I would never consider myself a barber." And so, like, I think what he's going through is, like, this identity crisis of who he is. Mm -hmm. So, like, um, like the whole thought on existentialism is uh, existence, like, proceeds uh, essence, like, who you are. So, like, he is not – the essence of him, Ed, is just a barber. But what is his? What is he really in existence? And like, what kind of a man is he? That's why they keep repeating that through the whole movie. Like, what kind of man are you? 
Yeah, Big yeah. Dave says that. His brother-in-law says that. And I think this whole movie is him trying to figure out what kind of man he is. And then he puts kind of those irrational fears into people and into himself. And, like, that's why, like, that whole subplot with Birdie, he's trying to make her be this famous pianist because, like, he just pictures her essence as being that. But in actual existence, she's just plays piano. She doesn't even want that. She might be a vet. (laughs) You know, like, a lot of that, too, is, like, how... You know, everyone also kind of has very clear, like, roles in the movie. Like, you're, you're the barber, the other barber, uh, the other cops, you know, mm-hmm. Big Dave's the manager. Like, everyone's kind of something. And okay. you kind of think of society as, like, that's what you are. Like, you know, who are you? Like Your job is who you are? Your job is who you are. Um, or what you do is who you are. Mm-hmm. not what your actions are who you are sure and if this whole movie is not about that because it is about his actions it's so specifically about his actions it's about every little action he does leads to a completely wrong misopportune thing like it's totally based on his actions yeah, and it all spirals out, I mean, from that very first decision of the blackmail. Right. And even Freddie Reconstein kind of says, like, things are now what they appear. Like, because you're, I think his essence is not what actually is there. It's how I, he appears to be a barber. He appears to be things. He appears mm-hmm. to be this man. And no one knows because his actions are disguised in a way that when you look at them, you don't really see the actual actions. That's why he has to write everything out. Because on the surface, like what the cops are writing out is they think his wife did it. And then they think he they they also conspired and killed big you know the dry cleaner and it was this whole thing and no one really knows the truth except he does yeah a lot of people must think what what are the chances that those two people are just cold-blooded murderer in that marriage right but it's also like you know asking like you know is like are we who we think we are or are we just based on our actions is that who we are we're based on the things that we do um, um the latter it, and it's also like does one affect the other like it's kind of this whole determinism argument like do we end up does he was he just bound to end up on the electric chair like i mean technically he didn't really do anything wrong. like to like he killed someone in self-defense that's about it well, he, sh- he should have punched that guy instead of blackmailing him. He should have done a lot of things. But, like, that doesn't, like, describe what his actions were. Gotcha. Well, what is the... I mean, in terms of the parallels between Double Indemnity and this movie, I didn't see a ton. I almost felt like if you squinted your eyes, you could mm-hmm. see... Or if, it, if you're trying to, like, hear Double Indemnity through through the wall as it was playing in another room or something and you tried to write a new movie based on it. Because it had that one relationship with the, 
the main character and like a younger female that's well i think it has to do with his actions not being seen to the greater broad like so if edward g hardy is the all-seeing eye it was totally unbeneath him it should it like it was the same thing in the fact that like to really see who he was he had to tell the story because even someone like edward g harding couldn't figure it out that he was conspiring to do commit insurance fraud and kill that guy's husband so in the title the man who wasn't there is it more about the way that people around perceived this man it wasn't that man it's he thinks it's the man inside his head that's the real man not what people think that happened based on yeah but then how does that add up with like it gets confounded a bit because it's it's not that he's being judged by his actions. It's being he's being judged by a misunderstanding of his of actions. of his actions. Yeah, right. Because our society, like every, like society, is judging him on their essence, their like their their perceivedness, like like how they are perceived, but not actually judged by how he was in existence. And how the other elements forced those actions. I mean, you can really... It, it's kind of like the same argument. like, Or even the same topic of, like, why do people commit crimes? Is it because they are criminals? Or is it because they have societal pressures that had forced them into this uh, tr- this line of actioning that, like put them out you know it's it's like a it's a rail cart and there's they can't get off like that's just what they are it's a lot easier to just say somebody's a criminal though right and so we do (laughs) imagine if um every time i had to introduce myself instead of saying like oh i just i'm a programmer i was like all i had to explain everything i've ever done right (laughs) you have to explain every action oh what do you do oh well i went to (laughs) cut you have to give this scenario I did this thing, and you can judge me from that. Yeah. Yeah. We talk a bit about not to. I'm going to go in on a a slight Mm -hmm. tear off, but it it is related. Um, In programming specifically, they talk a lot about making models for things, or like you know how like a map is not actually the landscape; it's just a it's a distillation of what's really there. It's it's filtered through humans. It's a yeah. It's a model of of a geography for you able to navigate, or like the the subway map that we have is just totally wrong. It's not actually how the geography looks. It's it's but it's telling a story for you to be able to get somewhere in a simple way. Mm-hmm. It seems like that is maybe what this is trying to say about people is that um, all you're seeing is the map and not really what's there. Right. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, even like, so, like, what, he's a barber that doesn't even really want to be a barber, and then he sees this man having an affair with his wife. So, like, you might think he's, like, doing all this stuff exteriorly, like, like, you know 
but I think if you look deep down, what he's doing is he's like, well, why is she doing that with him? Is is it because he's a successful businessman? Mm-hmm. And then he starts doing this, and then he doesn't find out that he married into it until like after he had already gave the note and told him to do it. like big dave is as much of a fraud as anything and but he's like, nothing's as it here like no, i didn't get is. the impression he really liked his wife all that much anyway i don't know i think there's things like i don't like maybe he has a misconception of what like he should be as a man to do things with like why does that like i think the one thing that makes me disagree with that is like the flashback to the the guy coming into the driveway asking him to like pave their driveway and then he sees doris just tell him off and i think ed likes that okay okay and it's such a random scene that they kept in there and so like if he is trying to be big dave by becoming a businessman this is his only way out. Like this is how he yeah. can become a successful entrepreneur. Uh, he just by like, you know, fuck you, big Dave, I'm taking your money and I'm doing this. I, and I will be seen as this. Okay. And you can't base decisions off of how you're going to be seen or how a lot of people are seen because I think he didn't base- know that big dave wasn't a rich guy with ten thousand dollars he had to siphon the money out of the business yeah and that's where things go wrong he made initial decisions based on what he thought the other people's uh, essences were like yeah so we're all and, just a bunch of dirty apes that yeah. try to look fancy and yeah tell stories about who we are and i think it's just a complex thing that we never really know. I think I love the speeches Freddie Reconsign gives because like he's trying to do that in a way where it's like, I don't even think Freddie even cares about it. He's just trying to convince people. Like, so he's coming up with these arguments that are actually really interesting, but like he doesn't, he just needs to word them in a way and to get his client off. <laughs> like, I almost felt like Freddie was more arguing about, philosophical things than the case itself. Yeah. But, like, that was his defense. Like, the more you look at it, the less you really know. (laughs) (laughs) Which is true. Like, you... If you're looking at this whole, like, series of events too long from an outside perspective, not from Ed's perspective, what do you really know? Because you can you can look at it from a court's point of view and say, oh, well, you're not thinking that, like, what if this had happened or what if this had happened? And you could pick apart and get to the truth eventually. But then if you pick it apart too much, then, like, you know, you don't really know unless the person that experienced it really kind of described it, which is what he does. Interesting. I think it's a very complex movie. Um... I think it's just a very uh, uh, interesting movie. I like thinking of different possibilities of the way things unfold and like what really happened and what are the consequences of our actions and like 
were we always destined to arrive at that end spot or not? I mean, in a way, I guess it doesn't matter. Like, what's the difference between ultimately just living to 80 and retiring and dying and then being electrocuted in a chair and dying? Like, you're just dying. <laughs> uh, maybe but, the the, the amp, amperage involved. Yeah. They use a little more electricity. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then, like, what are the haircuts at the end? Like, are those also, like, veneers? Like, those are people's appearances? Oh, like, yeah. He's creating. That's what he does for a living. It's just, like, give people, like, appearances. You know, so I have what I would call, I wouldn't call it this, but everybody else does, a uh, COVID hairstyle because mm -hmm. I grew my hair out and I've never had long hair. And a lot of people have been seeing me a different way than I feel like i've usually they been think you're seen. older and wiser no they think that i am uh, like a skateboarder who's really cool no i think <laughs> no. More, it's it's harder for people to trust me people think that i am a, a fake what if one day you show up to work you're wearing a suit you had cut your hair and you always wear like a really nice suit <laughs> no totally like even changing your clothes like i i do this from time to time if you change the, the way you dress people totally respond to you differently yeah it's interesting but like it's we're all basing decisions that way too uh they're, yeah they're 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 making decisions on how they're going to respond to a thing or like how they're going to act on a thing based off of what you look like and like the impression you give and because I, I think it boils down to that complexity that's inherent in everything that for you to really understand it fully would would take too long it's too hard to right to, to take the full story in so you have to summarize it and mm -hmm. constantly summarizing things with how we dress and and all of that to give somebody yeah. a, a quick picture of us and mm -hmm. then because of that you can fake it and you can right. summarize yourself in ways that aren't true. That's very true. Yeah. Well, I have a much better appreciation for this boring movie than I did before. I've seen this movie like a million times. I don't know why I'm obsessed with it. It's probably my favorite Coen Brothers movie. It was also, also a really weird time for the Coen Brothers because it was like post-Fargo. I mean, even big post-Big Lebowski. Mm -hmm. it was, I think it was right after Intolerable Cruelty, which was like really everyone hated it. And it was before the Lady Killers, which people also didn't like that. And it was before yeah. No Country for Old Men. So this was like kind of, or it, it was also at right after, uh, uh, what's the one with George Clooney? Oh, Brother uh, Burn After Reading. Oh. So like it was kind of buried in their filmography, I think. Um, and no one really talks about it, I think. And uh, I, I, I think it's probably their best movie. You've uh, you've made me me come around on this quite a bit. I think it's uh, because of all that complexity that's in, yeah. that's hidden in it. That on the surface, did I didn't pick up. Um, you get your point for sure, and maybe I'd watch this again someday. Someday. Um, it's yeah, it's a really cool movie. 
And I think I actually see more similarities now with Double Indemnity in this movie after we were talking. Like, I mean, just the fact that, like, you know, or actually his name was Nico, not Rocco. Nico Vincetti or whatever was kind of getting pinned towards the end. Yeah. Because he, fin- he comes across that tape. And so now, you know, the guy in Double Indemnity is kind of in a similar position. Like, who really was he? Like, he was completely given the wrong impression by her. He They later find out that she's kind of done this before. Like, yeah. And then at the same time, his terrible actions are being pinned on someone else and then how do you how can you relate like that's part of his motivation for like going to the office and recording everything like how can you take that guilt yeah is there anything to his wife having been found pregnant or is that just to add to the guilt i think it's just to add to the guilt well in the man who wasn't there yeah i think part of the they don't really say it but like you know because they couldn't have kids i think it he they couldn't have kids and that's why they never had kids and so when they find out that she's pregnant he's like that wasn't mine that was big dave's kid yeah uh so like i think it just made the whole thing worse (laughs) it muddies the guilt up too because it's like it reminds you of the cheating and all that yeah um but there's another movie that's kind of really that i was telling you about detour it's only an hour long (laughs) so it's like barely a movie but uh it's free it's in the public domain you watch it on youtube but it's also part of the criterion um it's about this guy this musician that travels across to go see his sweetheart in los angeles and when he's traveling he uh he gets picked up by this because he's hitchhiking he gets picked up by this guy who's a little well off like he's got some money it seems like and he acts like he's driving the guy asks him to drive the car for a little while and he's driving and then uh the guy's just like fell asleep or something in that thing and so he gets out of the car, he goes to open the door, and he just falls out of the car and hits his head on a rock, and is dead. <laughs> so, like, oh, wow. he didn't kill the guy, but he didn't mean to kill the guy. And then this other woman that had known the guy with the car knows that, because now the guy's dri- ride, driving around, he, like, because he hides the body and, like, takes his money in car, because, like, what else is he going to do? The cops are never going to believe him. Uh, that a hitchhiker didn't kill this rich guy. <laughs> but then this woman recognizes the car and everything and knows that he's in on it. And, like, she wants, like, some of the money. And then um, it's this wild, convoluted series of events that no one would ever believe. Uh, and I, I like movies that can do that because, like, you don't really understand the full picture unless you really kind of get down to it. Yeah. Well, this is profound. I'm going to think about this all day now. I mean, yeah. It's a, it's one of them movies. Well, hmm. we'll get to next next week's movie. Sure. All right. So, next week's movie. It's a horror movie. 
Oh, no. Yes. Oh, yes. Specifically, a 90s horror movie. Oh, gross. Oh, yeah. It's pretty famous. Is it Freddy in Space? No. Or Jason in Space? Oh, okay. It, I mean, I guess I think they've made sequels. Uh, so it is kind of a famous franchise in a way, but really only, anyone only remembers the first one. Is it Scream? No. Okay, because I haven't seen Scream, and it might be a good time to get to um, I could give you one clue that will immediately give it away, and I'm not sure if I should do that yet. Give me one that is harder. All right. Um, it's kind of based on an urban legend. Uh, Blair Witch? Uh, in the movie, the main character, she investigates kind of urban legends. Uh, there's bees involved. Is that Wicker Man? Nope. <laughs> I wish we were watching Wicker Man. <laughs> uh, bees. Huh. It's about a killer a with a hook. Like a ice pick. Like a cool. Oh, not like. A, Maybe he has a hook for a hand. I don't remember if they if he's holding the hook or if it's built in. It takes place in Chicago. Oh, um, man. I think it's famous for being. You know, it takes. Uh, well. I wonder um, if the listeners are just shouting it out loud. Probably by now shouting it right now. I'll just give you the clue; they'll give it away. Uh, yeah. They recently remade the movie. Nope, you didn't get that. Candyman. Yep. Oh, I don't know anything about Candyman. We're watching the original 1992 Candyman. You got it. Wow. So you get a point. Is Candyman uh, a good movie? It's a great movie. Why is it not? I remember watching so, it in college. I didn't realize it was a 90s movie. Yeah, 1992. Um, oh, early 90s. So don't say Candyman three times in the mirror because a uh, guy will pop out and hook your face. How much time needs to elapse between the first two Candymans you say in the mirror what if I go away for a couple weeks, come back, say Candyman again in the mirror? Does that count as three times? I don't times? think that counts. Okay. That counts as once, and then you reset it. and then. So like, there's a certain amount of time. I think uh, if you leave and, and re-enter the bathroom. If I blink and don't look at the mirror, does that reset it? Mm, I don't know. Tough. There should be a movie about scientists who investigate these things. <laughs> I mean, in a way, this movie is that because she okay. like she's a like grad student that's doing a thesis on these urban legends, um, specifically. But like, it's kind of cool because it kind she kind of like traces it back to like um, Chicago's inner city, 
and like what was really going on and i think there's some cool things there um that's why it's kind of being i'm excited to see the remake too because uh jordan peele produced it yeah uh, when people say they produced it that's just like how involved are you when you're a producer i sometimes you're pretty involved probably in the early stages because like conceptually has produced things and it's like okay i think it depends if you like executive produce or present something you're just tacking your name on there but i think if you're a producer you're kind of putting some input or at least consulting with the filmmakers oh i would have thought executive producer was better no i think executive producer is just really more of a tack on kind of thing um got it yeah so i think it's a cool movie we i remember watching it in college uh like who's in it uh virginia madsen is in it she really the main character michael madsen no i don't think so and Tony Todd plays the killer, which I think he might play the Candyman in the remake. I'm not sure. He did it so good they couldn't. He is him. in the remake. He's listed on here. But I don't know. If, I think it's a new Candyman. He plays a tree in the background. Maybe. I wonder if they have. That'd be a movie I'd watch. Every single prop is a different actor. <laughs> uh, like even tables and chairs. Yeah, and they do like the Lord of the Rings trick for like trick photography to make them different sizes. So like instead of this can of seltzer, it's a fist, but like they green screen the arm. And like they drink out of someone's hand. Yeah, exactly. All well, right. I think it, it would have to be a full body. They would have to be a human that contorted themselves to look <laughs> like a can. All right. Well, we're watching Candyman next week. What do you think? Um, I am excited, but also worried about being disgusted because I'm not a huge scary. horror movie. You're probably going to like be really scared. Well, I'm not looking forward to things that are going to make me look at mirrors differently. That's for oh, sure. Oh, you're never going to be able to look at another mirror again. Or bees. That might be good for my mental health to not be so mirror-focused. <laughs> this movie changed my life. <laughs> uh, I'm just good with my appearance. I don't care what yeah. I look like. <laughs> All right. Next week's Candyman. Cool. All right. We'll see how that goes. Sounds good. We'll see you then. See ya. See ya.